You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. And I am taping this podcast, as I have for over the last couple weeks, from self-quarantine in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Wherever you are listening to this, I hope uh, you and yours are safe, sound, and healthy. Today, my guest is, he's a guest who's been on this podcast before. It is the Washington Post sports writer, Ben Strauss. Uh, Previously, before the Post, he wrote sports media and politics for Politico magazine and the New York Times. It's probably an interesting time for Ben, given the nexus of uh, of everything that is happening with coronavirus. And so, uh, and so, I bring on Ben Strauss of the Washington Post. Ben, I'll be honest with you; I've had very, I've had better intros than the one I just gave you, but I'm happy to have you on the Sports Media Podcast. I think the uh, the bar is low for everything right now, so uh, I think I think you get a pass. But uh, good to. Uh, Good to be here. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Well, first, let's just sort of start off with a little bit of the personal. Um, how are you? How's uh, the health of your family? And um, and do you know anybody who's tested positive? As I think most of us at this point probably do. Yeah, I um, I have um, a couple of friends in New York who have tested positive, um, but luckily so far um, they are doing okay. Um, and as for here, it's, I mean, what is this, like day 17 or something at home? I've got, uh, my wife is working full time and I've got a six month old. So it's, um, no one's thriving here, but, um, you know, there's no fevers in the house and, uh, no one has mentioned divorce yet. <laughs> All right. Both positives, uh, in today's landscape. All right. So we'll talk a little bit about sports media, both something both of us cover. And there, you know, it's one of the beats. Actually, where there there is going to be news um, throughout this live sports doesn't exist, but the media companies, all media companies, are trying to figure out a lot of things and trying to navigate a lot of new terrain during um, during this pandemic. So let's sort of start off with something general. What and you can go any network, multiple networks. You could take it micro or macro. What have you made so far of the sports networks' attempts to do alternative programming during this? I, I think they've, you know, I mean, they're dealt this this hand where what do you right the ESPN, Fox Sports, these newspapers. I mean, it's it's sort of this impossible hand to deal with. And I feel like content wise, you know, they've done about as well as you could hope. Um, you know, ESPN's moving up the Jordan Doc that everyone's real excited about. Um, you know, they did ESPN eight, the Ocho. Fox Sports One did uh, video games, uh, e-racing, which did, you know, a shocking number of viewers. I think like a million people on Fox Sports One, so many viewers that they put it on Fox the next weekend. Um, You know, I think The Athletic has done, you know, it's best to sort of, you know, every day there's like a new list or, um, you know, whether it's movies or Hall of Famers, you know, from from individual cities. I think from a content perspective, um, people have done a pretty good job. I guess it's also been 
you know, a couple of weeks and we may have two more months of this. So let's see what's happening on May 30th. Um, but, but for the moment, I think content wise, it's, uh, people have done as, as well as could be expected or hoped for. I, I think like the financial piece is, is the one that, you know, no matter what you come up with content wise, you're, you know, you're not filling the, 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 the money hole of, of advertising and, you know, potentially viewers and, um, that's that's the one that you know obviously is is sort of hanging over everybody's head. All right, before we get to that, I, so let's let's talk about a couple of things that seemingly have worked. Uh, you mentioned Fox Sports. Um, Fox Sports is now committed to a full e NASCAR season, which is really really interesting because they pulled close to a million viewers on um, on this sort of this esports kind of attempt, and it seems to have hit. Which is really, really interesting. Um, not one I would have seen uh, coming. The other one that has done really, really well for ESPN is wrestling. They've played replayed WrestleMania, um, and it and think they're going to do it over the next couple of weeks, and that drew close to a million viewers as well. One thing, Ben, that I'm surprised at, and the, there's only a little bit of data so far, is you know ESPN replayed that Monday Night Football game between the Chiefs and the Rams from last year, which was you know an incredible game and a shootout, and it drew less than a half million viewers, which really, surpri- I think, surprised me. And so I wonder, you know, maybe the market for replaying classic football games isn't as great as I think, although... It's just sort of a one, you know a one data set, so hard to know. But um, what do you think on that? You think I mean you think there's a there are mass interest in in watching old NFL games, which all these media rights partners of the NFL have jumped on now. Yeah, I would say a couple of things. I think on the the e racing series, I do think that we're going to look at back at this moment as you know a, a time that at esports gained a new relevance that that it got on the major networks and you know people watched it more than was expected and you know the networks are going to figure out that this stuff is only going to become more popular i I don't know if it's ever going to live like all the time on these linear networks but i think it's going to be a you know a shift in you know investment and resources from uh the bigger networks um so I, i think the sort of e-gaming, the, the streaming, you, you know, a bunch of NBA players are doing all sorts of stuff on Twitch, you know, and playing these NBA 2K tournaments. And so I think that that's, this is, this is, you know, a spike. And I don't think that it's an outlier or sort of that it, things are going to go back to normal after, you know, we're out of this. So I think it's a moment for, for gaming. I, I, I'm sort of torn on the, the old games thing. Um, when CBS played, um, some of the old tournament games the first weekend of, of, you know, when March Madness would have been, they got, you know, around a million viewers, which, you know, is also on, you know, broadcast TV on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Um, so I don't, I don't know sort of what the Rams Chiefs game says sort of broadly. I also sort of wonder if that, that was like a game from last year. It wasn't, it wasn't like a Super Bowl. I'm sort of curious to see what the Super Bowls do, you know, when Fox puts them on Sunday afternoon. I think they'll do much better than, you know, uh, albeit an exciting Monday night game, somewhat of a random Monday night game on ESPN. Yeah, that'll be interesting, too. And when we get, um, 
you know, when we get the Super Bowl, sort of replaying the Super Bowls, because obviously those are the most well-known games. You're dealing with at least at one point 100 million people who watched it, and then the question will be, what is the interest in uh, in rewatching it? So I'm with you. I'm um, I'm curious about that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before we do uh, sort of the NFL's expanded playoffs, do something quick on the Olympics. The Olympics were... Uh, as everybody knows at this point, postponed a year. It uh, looks like uh, the Tokyo Olympics will be held in July in 2021, knock on wood. What that means for media-wise, in addition to NBC, obviously, um, you know, really taking a bath on uh, potential media buys, is they have a massive programming hole now for 17-plus days this summer. Um, what do you make of that, Ben? And And... What I mean, do you, if you're NBC, do you? I don't know. Do you replay the Do you replay the 2016 Olympics in that time frame to get, you know, to try to get people sort of excited and market the what hopefully will eventually be, or do you just totally punt on Olympic content and figure out something else? Yeah, I don't know, like what the alternative is. I think you probably re-air old Olympics. It's not like it's not like there's going to be like a lot of other content you can do i mean it's same with other networks you sort of just go back to the vault um and hope a few people watch i think um i guess by late july maybe there are other sports you know playing without fans somewhere um that there's some live sports that they can do i guess at this point that seems iffy at best so i i would bet that they go back to the olympic ball on the the business end of that i wrote a story about this last week and sort of on the spectrum of outcomes once you knew that there could be no Olympics this summer, the people that I talked to uh, said that this was not uh, sort of the best of a a series of bad outcomes for for NBC that, you know, once you couldn't have them this summer, if they had tried to move them to the fall, that would have been a disaster with all the, um, you know, sports programming in the United States that it would have had to compete. So flipping it one year, um, you know, gives them what should be wide open space in the summer, sort of the same seasonal time slot that they had. And also, you know, on the advertising stuff, obviously they have to, you know, figure out what they're going to do with people that sold a billion dollars worth of ads, I think. Um, But some guy I talked to said sort of moving it a full year might actually work out sort of because you give the economy time to recover. You know, if you had a full year, um, you know, obviously advertisers are pulling out of everything right now because who knows where this is going. But, you know, 16 months from now or 15 months or whatever it is, you might have a lot more uh, stability than you would, you know, eight months from now or, you know, six months from now. You know, NBC is an interesting boat, Ben. And you, if you wrote about this, you would know this uh, uh, and you know the time frame. But they're going to go from the... Tokyo Olympics, uh, I think, to the NFL, to a Super Bowl, and then to the 2022 Olympics, right? I mean, they're going to have, in terms of 
kind of a 12-month, 14-month calendar run of pretty incredible sports. Yeah, and I think advertisers will be pretty interested in that. Yeah, you would think. Um, you know, they have a they have a really big opportunity there to, um, you know, to uh, I mean, at least recoup some of what they theoretically may have um, may have lost here. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're taping this on um, Wednesday, April 1st, and the news came out, I think it was was it yesterday or two days ago? All the days now blur together. That the you know the NFL obviously has now expanded playoffs, uh, or, or has expanded its playoffs. They have um, they're bringing more wild card uh, games into the fold. More teams are going to make the NFL playoffs, and the NFL has already sold these extra wild card games to NBC and CBS. Um, the more probably the most interesting thing about that sale is that these games are going to be streaming. Uh, in addition to linear television on some interesting places, including Nickelodeon for CBS. And I wonder what you made of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like. I think you hit the, the, the two things, right? The first is, you know, we've been talking about streaming for a long time now, Amazon and Facebook and, um, you know, the tech companies. But who is, you know, who has the streaming rights to the NFL right now? It's the linear TV networks. Um which is interesting. Um, and the second thing is Nickelodeon, right? Nickelodeon is going to air a, a football game. So I, I'm, I'm somewhat fascinated to see what a, you know, a 10 year old themed NFL telecast looks like. Um, and if that is something that 10 year olds want to watch, I mean, I, when I was 10 years old, I was sort of interested in the regular telecast. Um, you know, you watch with your parents and, um, I don't know if I was 10 years old, I would want to watch, you know, like the Sports Illustrated for Kids version of the football game. So I'm, I'm pretty curious, like what age that's targeted to and sort of what they do um, to make it uh, kid friendly. And then the, the, the other third thing is, um, you know, CBS and NBC are here. Um, no Fox. And I'm sure that Disney would have wanted some, you know, action. I think they pay a hundred million dollars for their game, their playoff game. And, CBS and NBC are here, you know, paying, I think, $70 million for this. I think Sports Business Journal wrote this. Um, so it's, you know, I, if you're Disney, you're sort of sitting here wondering, again, we're paying all this money. What are we getting? Or sort of why are we getting less than everybody else? Yeah, that's going to make, obviously, the upcoming uh, media negotiations uh, pretty fascinating. I mean, I think very clearly ESPN has done everything in its power at this point to uh, – uh, to try to make itself attractive to the NFL, then you know, sort of as you ex- as you um, as you expand the uh, that story, they still at this moment have the same Monday Night Football crew that they had last year, which uh, is kind of amazing. In April, that and I'm not as big a hater of Booger McFarland as many others are, but it's amazing to me that April 1st, 2020, your Monday Night Football team is still Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. Yeah, especially when, you know, sort of how badly they want to 
improve it. I guess I'm of the mind um, that, right, this is all about getting a Super Bowl. ESPN wants a Super Bowl. Disney wants a Super Bowl to put on ABC. And the question is, you know, can you get a Super Bowl if your main crew is Booger and, and Joe Tess? And I've talked to a few people about this, and obviously ESPN wants to make a splash and sort of have this, you know, flashy booth, um, you know, with a big name, whether it's Manning or Romo or whoever. Um, but I don't, I don't know if they need that. I think they just sort of need something that's neutral or at least one that doesn't, you know, create such, it doesn't become a laughing stock on Twitter every time there's a Monday night football game. Um, I don't think that they need like the biggest star to get a Super Bowl. I think they need sort of, just a fine booth. Like I think Kurt Warner would be fine, right? He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback who has done Super Bowls. Um, and so I don't know if they need just to get a Super Bowl to pay you know fifteen million dollars to a star quarterback. But I might be in the minority on that. Yeah. Do you honestly know what they need? They need a checkbook. I mean, I think all that stuff. I, I have no doubt that that there's there's promotional value, and the NFL certainly likes the idea of having certain marquee names in the booth uh the the reality is these broadcast networks while they make these hires they they eventually have to get a check off from the nfl if the nfl doesn't want a broadcaster on air they're going to make it known to their rights partners that they don't want that person um what i don't know is like if espn is willing to front the money or pay the money that the nfl would want like if somehow joe testor and booger mcfarlane are a deal breaker that makes the in my opinion that would be insane i, I can't see the nfl sort of being like, um, no, you must change your booth in order to get this, uh, you know, to, in order to be part of our Super Bowl rotation. So I don't buy that. But, you know, one of the values is that, you know, if you bring a Drew Brees in or if you somehow swiped Romo away from uh, from CBS, you know, there's a, there's a great sort of marketing tool there because these are very, very sort of famous and well-known people. I, I think ultimately... I would be stunned if McFarland is the analyst for Monday Night Football in in 2020. Um, Tessator, if he returns, would not stun me, but that would just be my. I, I think they have clearly made it a point over this uh, off season to try to get someone else for the booth, and I think they're signaling for sure to the market that it's going to be a different analyst. Like you said, maybe that turns out to be Kurt Warner or Lewis Riddick or Dan Orlovsky, but. I would be surprised. Um, I would be surprised if it's uh, if it's McFarland. Um, you know, I'll also be more surprised if ESPN eventually their PR department eventually lets uh, executives talk to the press. That I would also be surprised at uh, if that's happened. Have you had a success, Ben? I I know you you are Jimmy Pitaro, very tight. You've attended baseball games together. Are you able to get to the president of ESPN at this at this moment? Uh, I have asked for interviews with uh, ESPN executives during this, and I have been uh, politely declined. I have also been politely declined. Now it's going to be, watch the segue, Ben. You're going to enjoy this. Um, all right, we'll move on from ESPN to, um, oh, you know, I actually have one thing before we actually get to one other story. You wrote recently about, did you write, am I, am I crazy that I read a story from you about athletes, sort of what they're doing in isolation and what they're doing a lot of is like having people watch them do stuff. I thought that was pretty interesting. Did I read that? Was that your story? Did I just read that? 
I did not write that story. <laughs> I wrote about athletes streaming. I did not write about uh, athletes like filming themselves. I wrote about athletes. Uh, yeah, I wrote about like Myers Leonard and Mario Hazona um, and some streamers. Yeah. Oh, athlete streaming. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sean. <laughs> Sean. Sh- sh- yeah. Right. 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 Hold up. Yeah. Sh- sh- we're going to get to this. Sean and Patrick, do not cut this out. Make me look like a fool on my own podcast. I like that. Um, but, sorry, so Ben, tell me about that story. That's You're right. That's exactly what I read. Yeah, I, I think sort of talking about the, uh, the the streaming moment, you've got these guys who are into gaming. They're stuck at home. And right, you've got these NBA guys who are spending eight hours a day playing Call of Duty, you know, when they were supposed to be, you know, in the throes of the playoff push. So I, I, I think you know, what these guys have, you know, turned to is, is kind of interesting and, you know, sort of speaks to the power of, you know, the growth of esports. Myers Leonard on the heat is an investor in one of these um, esports um, teams and the guys who are playing, I mean, it, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Josh Hart and Leonard and uh, you've got some stars who are, you know, doing this more and more. So I, I, that's sort of what, you know, lend me to the, you know, the esports moment kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. And again, um, you know, I'm not a gamer, but I certainly recognize, um, I certainly recognize how many people are interested in, um, in esports and gaming. And there's definitely an audience there. I mean, anybody sort of just seen the numbers on Twitch and seen the numbers abroad, you know, South Korean, et cetera, knows it's, it's, there's a massive amount of money there. So it's going to be interesting. It, you know, in the same way, there's so much talk about, well, gambling is going to sort of take over television and esports are going to take over television. It'll be interesting to see, you know, five years from now, if we had the same conversation, what they ultimately become. Uh, but they're going to become something. It's just a question of, you know what I mean? What are they going to become? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to, it's the linear TV model is sort of what they are, but the linear TV model is sort of, you know, on the decline anyway. So I sort of how those match up will be interesting. I mean, Vegas just uh, legalized new ways to bet on esports, And so I don't know how much money is coming in, but um, I, it's sort of the only game in town. So it, it, it is sort of an opportunity. To I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish up on this. And it's not a... Um... It's not a it's not a fun topic by any means, and it's and it's a topic close to me, given that I worked there for 19 years, and that's um, Sports Illustrated layoffs. You you have been um, at the forefront of this reporting um, when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to what the Maven Maven's plans are, what the Maven is doing. So can you just sort of give me your sort of overview at this point of of where you think this business and company is right now and we're, we're taping this uh, in a week where you know i think they laid off 30 or so people including um some pretty well-known editorial slash writing people yeah so there's maven which is the publishing company for sports illustrated announced a nine percent company-wide cut and that included i think it was six percent of the si staff 
which amounted to uh, I think six or seven writers and um, at least one person on the business side and Chris Ballard, uh, Jack Dickey, Kalen uh, Keller. Um, I mean, people you know who have written big stories for SI. So I, I, coming on the heels of um, the 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 third of the staff that was cut just a few months ago. I mean, it's it's you know sort of if that was a body blow, then this is you know sort of you know, another limb that comes off of uh, the body of it. It's, it's really sad. Um, Fangraphs yesterday also, you know, put out an open letter saying they needed donations to stay afloat and they were cutting freelancers. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really sad. And it's just a brutal time for sports media and media in general as all these ad dollars dry up. You know, which is, it's a little bit counterintuitive, though, because I, even at Sports Illustrated, the Maven said traffic was up um, recently. But even as people, you know, go to these outlets, whether it's, you know, sports media or, you know, local newspapers, even as the traffic surges, the, the ad revenue is just plummeting. And so it's, um, it's going to be a really, really hard couple of months for both sports media and media at large. Yeah, we should also add Lake and Lippman and uh, Sarah Kwok. Sarah Kwok, uh, a friend of mine, somebody I worked with for many years, an incredibly talented woman, um, also part of those layoffs. You know, um, and again, I, I can't sort of separate myself then from having been there and invested so much, and that was my dream place to work at Sports Illustrated. So I can't really invest, I can't really divest myself from my personal feelings and sort of talking about Sports Illustrated, but. Um, I'm honestly not a fan at all, obviously, of sort of Maven's management and and where they have taken this place. And I guess, Ben, my sort of larger question would be this. You know, ultimately, even um, even a reduced Sports Illustrated, sort of what they're what they ultimately to me have to sell to the market to have any chance of sort of uh, maintaining and staying and succeeding as an editorial product is like literally what people like. You know, Kaylin Keller and Sarah Kwok and Lakin Lippman, Chris Ballard bring, you know, they, they, like that's their different, like ultimately at the end of the day, their differentiator has to be, I think, their, their reporting and writing talent. And the more you got that, like what, ultimately, what are you? You know what I mean? You, you can't, if you're going to try to chase the bleacher reports and the ESPN.coms of the world, you've already lost that battle. That, that battle, that, that battle was lost 10 years ago. So, that's sort of what is very distressing. And I understand we're in the middle of a pandemic, but that's what's distressing to me is like the one place that the one thing that places like that have, like the, their differentiating model are is their content people. And the more you get rid of the content people, the less of it, you know what I'm saying? The, the less of a differentiator you are. I can't argue with that at all. And especially in a, in a world where, you know, clicks are less valuable every day. Um, and selling, you know, ad revenue against those clicks is harder and harder and, and less valuable every single day. Um, and I mean, when you talk about what kind of a product they're going to have, I talked to somebody who, you know, sort of looked around and was like, how are we going to put out a magazine with the staff that we have? You know, I think, you know, it's just looking at a five-year span, the number of, you know, people working in that magazine has shrunk from like in the 30s or 40s to like, 
single digits now. And it's a monthly magazine, so I guess, you know, it's not a weekly anymore. But, but still, I, I, obviously the product is going to suffer. And I, who's buying, you know, a diminished product that continues to get diminished? And I think um, sort of the faith you talk about the maven and the leadership, I think there's I mean, obviously, there's a total lack of, of confidence in the leadership. Um, just last week, I, I had emailed the Maven CEO, James Heckman, because some of those contractors who cover the teams around the country, you know, have gotten checks that were late a month ago. And we're like, what is, you know, this economic slowdown? What is, this, you know, no sports need for us? And I emailed him those concerns and he called them, you know, quote unquote, pretty silly, you know, and said, we're thriving and you know, we're a $150 million company projecting growth. And then, I mean, not even six days later, 6% of Sports Illustrated is laid off. So I don't think you can, you know, get a lot of transparency and a lot of, there's not a lot of confidence in sort of what gets said to them from the top. Well said. I mean, any Sports I'll be very honest with the audience, any Sports Illustrated staffer who I've talked to, and you can imagine I've talked to many, uh, given just how long I work there, you know, I've, given them my advice and my analysis of what I think of Maven management. And I have told them they should never trust Maven management. Ultimately, you know, yet people have mortgages, people have bills, they want to keep their jobs, but um, you know, it's, it's this sort of, I'm paraphrasing, but when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Uh, and that's sort of my approach there. And you really hit it on the head, uh, Ben, in terms of editing. Um, it, it, these are people that the general public, generally speaking, doesn't know, but like, from the Richard D. Max to the Trisha Blackmars to the Mark Moravics, uh, you know, there, there are so many editors behind the scenes, Gabe Millers and uh, Pam Roberts, like copy people. Like, there's so many people behind the scenes who have been let go over the last 24 months at Sports Illustrated that really were just like the infrastructure of the place that, like you, I mean, a magazine will be put out, but at the end of the day, like, when you start gutting your editors and the, and the people who are, um, you know, the people who really sort of possess the DNA of Sports Illustrated, you're, you're not putting out what what Sports Illustrated sort of should represent. And that's not a knock on anybody who works there. There's still some incredibly talented people who work there, you know, Tom Verducci's of the world and Scott Price's and very good editors back there like Adam Dewerson and Stephen Canella. But, um, but man, I mean, you know, you work in a newsroom with a ton of talent and a lot of people, as do I, and you need you know, you need bodies, like you need people to put out a quality product. And that's what sort of scares me about SI is, um, and I started seeing this even when I was there is, you know, you, you're not, you're not cutting fat anymore. You know, you're cutting bone and eventually there's not bone left to cut at a certain point. I, I agree. And you know, I, I wish the, the best for everybody still there and, and everybody who was let go, um, you know, hopefully there's, you know, places that are hiring and, uh, um, you know, the media industry comes out of this um, in some way uh, on the other side of this um, coronavirus and, you know, the, the shutdown of sports and society. Um, but it's, I think, you know, you talk about sort of where we're at as a media company, but sort of as a society with, with health and, you know, how many people are going to get this disease? It's going to get worse before it gets better, I think, in the media industry, too. I agree with that. Lastly, we'll sort of uh, 
We'll end on this. How are you? I think people would just be interested. We had Chico Harlan last week. He's your Rome bureau chief. And former uh, Washington Nationals B-Rider. Former Washington Nationals B-Rider doing some remarkable work in Rome. What, when you are writing, Ben, um, how does it work for you now? You're obviously at home, I imagine. You're sort of quarantined there. But you're you you're doing a lot more phoners, I would guess, than maybe doing firsthand reporting. And then do you just file your stories from your laptop to... Um, to somebody at the Washington Post, and is that person in a newsroom, or is that person also working remotely, whoever you file to? No, we have a really small skeleton staff that is in the office. Um, you know, just about every editor is at home, too. Um, and, you know, a bunch of our staffers um, have moved off of sports to write about um, the coronavirus, um, you know, around the city, but also in the country, too. Um, you know, but also, you know, sort of from, from their homes as well. But um, there are, you know, remaining editors, uh, sports editors who are at home, who are still editing and uh, who are slacking all the time about <laughs> what can we write about. Uh, we got an email uh, yesterday that uh, asked for Q&A ideas. Um, so we, like everybody else, um, is sort of, you know, doing our best to, um, you know, come up with, you know, compelling stuff to, to get readers to write um, or to get readers to read sort of when, you know, there is no news. Not only is there no news, but you're sort of stuck at home. So sort of this idea that you go out and do features and enterprise stuff because there's no news cycle isn't really true either because it's, you know, really hard to do, you know, good features and enterprise stuff from your kitchen. Um, but, on the spectrum, uh, you know, I consider us at the post, you know, very lucky um, compared to some of the other situations that are out there. Ben, you work for the best newspaper in the country, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. And there's a reason why you have my $99, and that is the reason um, you have that. So For our sports media coverage, right? Yeah, I, honestly, Ben, you are not the reason I'm paying $99 a year for the Washington Post, but I enjoy your work as well. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm counting on you guys to... Uh, to continue to cover what uh, is probably truly going to be the, the 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 story of our of our era, if not uh, if not multiple eras. Ben Strauss is the Washington Post sports media writer, um, and uh, you can read his um, his work at that publication. If you would like to follow Ben on Twitter, um, let me make sure I have your Twitter feed right here at Ben J Strauss. Am I right about that? At B E N J-S-T-R-A-U-S-S, correct? You got it. All right. And what is what is Ben's uh, last tweet as we're taping this? Oh, he's, he's given some love to his colleague, Will Hobson. Ben, you're, you're such a team player. Well done there. Very nice of you. <laughs> uh, I do what I can. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. And hopefully the next time I come out, I'll be somewhat happier news to discuss. Yeah, let's hope. Good luck with your uh, with your baby. Try to get some sleep if you can, and uh, and stay safe down there. Ben Strauss of the Washington Post. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Thanks, Richard. Stay uh, stay safe. Okay, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, Ben Strauss for uh, giving me a little bit of his time, and uh, we wish him luck, as we wish all you guys uh, with the coronavirus. Prior to Ben, uh, Chico Harlan, the Rome bureau chief at the Washington Post, and basically discussed. Um, what it's like to cover the coronavirus in Italy right now. And he's based in Rome. That was really, really interesting. A little scary as well. 
Prior to that, Scott Van Pelt of ESPN, how to do SportsCenter in the year of COVID-19. Very honest conversation with Scott Van Pelt. Before that, Dr. Celine Gounder and Grant Wall, they are married. Celine Gounder, one of the foremost infectious disease uh, experts um, in this country. Grant Wall, of course, prominent soccer writer. And then before that, uh, John O'Ran of Sports Business Daily and myself discussed Tony Romo's massive contract. Head to, um, head to all the uh, episodes in the archives if you're interested in this. Please leave us a five-star review. If you like this, and uh, give us a little write-up. That is how uh, this podcast stays in business. Again, my thanks to Patrick Antonetti, Sean Cherry. Thanks to everybody, Cadence 13, Chris Cork, Spencer Brown, John McDermott. This is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.